0: Hello, welcome to the One Life Podcast. Where we talk about things from One Life Church, but ultimately things that we think can relate to you and your one and only life. My name is Sarah Inman, I'm one of your co hosts of the podcast, and I'm joined, as always, by a co host of the podcast and our lead pastor, Brett Nicholson.
1: And Sarah, today to introduce our guest, I have a little bit of a story. I can't wait. Okay, you can't wait. Yeah. All right, I love that. He's on the she's on the edge of her seat. Um well so in Evansville, there's an organization called For Evansville that does a number of things, and' they've, they've done a great job of, of joining together churches and pastors and, and things like that. And so we've um, they invited everybody to um, a retreat and uh it was it was the pastors from around the area and and if i'm being really honest i thought it was a good idea but i thought oh i would actually have to be required to go so and and take out a couple days or whatever and uh or i think it was like a half day or something like that and there was a part of me that just didn't want to go because it was just busy and and that sort of thing but i thought okay but i I did ask the lord i'm like lord what would you have me do what do you i mean i'm for unity and for all those things uh but uh is there anything special? What's my part in this? And, and I know it's a weird God story thing, but I honestly think I I remember having this sense in my heart that somehow I needed to be a part of racial reconciliation issues, which had never come up before as, I mean, it's a subject I care about, but it's never felt like a calling by any stretch. And, uh, and I was like, I wonder if that's the Lord. You know somebody I can't tell. You just kind of go on about your business. And the first person that I really got to meet and talk to as far as a new person that I would uh, never met before and, and got to know was Keith. And Keith Patterson's our guest today, and um, he is a pastor at Zion Missionary Baptist Church uh, in Evansville. And what was very cool is that what I love about Keith is that he he and I were able to get into that topic I don't know within the first five minutes, or something. It was just funny. That was like, wow, are we really talking about this stuff like that quickly? And and I love the approachability. And then after that, we we got together again and and explored that topic uh, more. And so, in light of the uh, Ahmad Arbery um, uh, situation that's going on, and and, and the, the the discussion that's now flaring up yet again in our country, um, I texted. Um, uh, Keith. And I said, Hey, you know, what do we, what should we do here? And, uh, he gave me some good advice. And so, and that was just a couple days ago. And I said, we just need to jump on the podcast. So, uh, that's why Keith is here, but Keith, go ahead and, um, uh, tell us a little bit more about yourself besides you, the pastor and you're easy to talk to, uh, <laughs> but, um, what's your life story <laughs> quickly?
2: <laughs> well, my name's Keith Patterson and I am originally from Greensboro, North Carolina, and. Uh, Prior to coming to Evansville in 2012, uh, I basically had been in North Carolina all my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife is from Evansville, and so that kind of directed us out here. Uh, but prior to coming here, um, went to school at North Carolina Central University, um, got a, my Bachelor of Science degree in criminal justice and English. It was a minor. And after that, I got into... Uh, graduation, I got into law enforcement, and I was a special agent with the North Carolina Department of uh, Crime Control and Public Safety in North Carolina. Special agent, special agent. Okay. Yeah. Oh. So, what and the difference is, is that uh, I didn't wear a uniform per se. Oh, uh, I was okay. more of a suit and tie type of. That it is was, special because when those yeah. guys show up, you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, I, so cool. I was more of a I was a state guy, not a right. city or a county guy, and I didn't wear a uniform. Okay. But so lo- most of my work in detail was investigations, and so I wasn't like, a, someone's in trouble, they call me, and I go out and solve that. And mine was mostly if something happened, and you kind of got directed into that uh, particular uh, situation. Um, but uh, did that for about five years. And uh, then they said, uh, my leaders or directors at that time uh, basically stated, "Hey, we have the opportunity to, um, if you want to go back to school to get your MBA, we'll pay for it." And so, at that time, I was like, "Hey, yeah, free free MBA, yeah, i might as well jump on that, cool. right?" So, I did that, and I think I did the ultimate sin is once I once I got my degree, I decided I wanted a career change, and I end up <laughs> le- <laughs> and I end up leaving. So, uh, and then I got into, I uh, went to the community college and started teaching business courses and things like that. And then uh, after we moved out here, uh, I became a, um, finan- uh, a, uh, a a financial manager for the state. And then I recently, in the last four years, moved to Swerka where I'm the chief financial officer for Swerka now. So, oh, okay. So I have like an interest in Yeah, yeah really. And a pastor on the side. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So that's yeah. what I kind of, I kind of do per se.
1: When I meet bivocational, bivocational pastors like that, I always feel like an underachiever. I feel like, okay, I feel buried when I do what I do. And I'm like, eh, he's just doing it kind of. Yeah. <laughs> he's doing exactly what I do. Plus. Yeah. Being the.
0: For people so who so don't I'm, know what bivocational means, Brett, what is that? Give that, oh, for uh, yeah. the, those who—it's a term have, we say around the church, you know, I think, but maybe who, not everyone. There's knows. a
1: lot of them out there. The lot of pastors at pastor churches, but also have another career paralleling it to pay the bills, and right. and that's not uncommon at all. I'm just too much of a wimp to do it. I, don't, <laughs> I don't think I could. Uh, that's that's very impressive.
0: You probably that's wouldn't funny. be a special agent. I'm just yeah. going to throw that out there. Prob- you might wouldn't. be. I don't know. Yeah,
1: I'm not special pastor. <laughs> I don't know why a special oh, agent would go. I'm so, sure you're the special yeah. pastor. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's right. That's that's what, Ceros um, calls me. Yeah. That's right. My friend.
0: Uh, that's right <laughs> um, so I have a question so just getting a little bit know, getting to know a little bit more about you from North Carolina <laughs> basketball fan
2: University of North Carolina Tar Heels. Okay. So yes. I say like Tar
0: Heels, yeah. Blue Devils, like, you know. Yeah, tar Heels. All right. Definitely. All right. See, okay. I need to know these things because yeah. I've, I've been watching. I didn't watch last night. I've been watching every episode of The Last Dance. Oh, yeah. Um, it was just fascinating. It's about. Uh, the, I need to watch Bulls, I haven't watched it yet. Michael Jordan yeah. specifically. Seen it? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, I'm up to date on it. T- oh, you're up so to well. date. Okay. I didn't see yeah. last night's two episodes last night. So we're recording on a Monday and it just aired last night. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so I like sports, so I like. And I'm glad to, you brought
1: that up because I do want to watch it because I love uh, I love Jordan and I love uh, documentaries yeah. and you know the whole bit. Uh, I just have to talk my wife into it. I mean, that's not something she because it's like ten episodes. It it, is, yeah, it's yeah. Not, it's yeah, not You, wanna,
2: you probably want to break them down. You probably want to watch them all at one time. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: But every now and then she, she'll support me and humor me by watching a documentary that's yeah. that's kind of a little yeah. bit longer. It's a pretty. So, it's a pretty good one. Yeah, yeah. it sounds like it. Everybody's yeah. talking about it. So uh, and that's your neck of the woods. So yeah. that's that's good so well uh, like i said earlier one of the things i really enjoyed about um meeting keith was uh the ability to somehow i don't know it was instinctive just like this guy we we can talk about this issue very very frankly and i can learn a lot and i think especially when this conversation goes up with the different injustices that happen and uh, and the debate starts uh we we kind of get into our divides uh between white and black and and um, and, and and Keith helped me understand um, the perspective uh, of these things uh, in a completely different way. And, and I enjoyed that. And so the first thing I'd ask is this kind of share with uh, your own experience. You gave your life journey with your special agent status and everything else. <laughs> but what has been some of the examples of kind of your experience of racism? Because you've had to deal with that. You've had to struggle
2: with those issues, and what's that look like in your life? Well, I can say that it started early, um, or what I would um, classify as a, my first encounter where I kind of remembered. Um, and um, I remember in a young boy in Greensboro, North Carolina, and it was common that the, the KKK or the Ku Klux Klan would march through our city, um, annual. it was an annual thing where they would march through um, but in this particular, um, time or day, um, they didn't march through the downtown area that they normally did, but they came actually through our neighborhood and through our community. And while coming through there, um, they got out, they pulled the guns out the trunk of the cars and they used to start shooting and killing people. And it was, it was, it was like the biggest thing that had ever happened and, Um, The whole time this is being filmed uh, by Channel 2, um, the news station there, uh, because of just the uh, everything that was going around that march. And so this has been filmed and uh, you can go back and watch footage of it today is actually, you know, seeing them shooting, you know, shooting people. And no one was ever held accountable. And you can actually see the people. In the on, you know, on the cameras, you know, and this happened in the heart of the neighborhood, and and the, this,
1: and you, you were watching this, yes, like, so, like so, live, yeah. As,
2: a, as a, how old were you? I was about nine then. Oh, for heaven's sake! Yeah, yeah. My goodness. And so they they came in and it it happened and um, they left and like I said, no one was ever held accountable for this. No one was ever arrested, and the city ended up doing some type of proclamation where they kind of did a wave by or something it happened but we're not going to acknowledge that it happened but it did happen and from my understanding at that time that uh, maybe the uh, atf was po- po- supposedly be a part of this or something it was it was if you if you ever um uh, do any uh, video watching you know, or you i think i'm sure it's on youtube uh, the 1978 Shooting of the Ku Klux Klan in Greensboro, North Carolina. You can actually see the actual. You footage can go there of, and yeah, if you see, if you search. Yeah. nineteen seventy. No. and then if you want to do the reading about it, there are some some pretty sh- pretty good, interesting reading as well. as people literally sh- lost their lives, though. Oh right yeah. Now. Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
1: My goodness. And uh, being now, Sarah wasn't alive in nineteen seventy-eight,
0: but uh, eighty-four uh, is when I was born, it, so, yeah, so not quite. But, um, but, um, well, so uh, uh, at nine, you see that. Like, what is like, what is what does that tell you at that point in your life? <sighs>
2: Well, it's is it's, it's devastating. First mm-hmm. off, because you're you're thinking like, why are people being killed? Especially as, as a child, you're you know you still have that innocence, I guess. And even in in school at that time, you're you had classmates that were white that you were friends with and things like that. And but then you have this situation to come in. You're know, like, and they're saying that um, this 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 group is targeting uh, blacks and. Um, you're thinking like, well, you know, why does this, why does this group exist or, or why are they doing this? And, um, and to this day is, is still kind of rampant with the, with that same group, you know, the KKK is still rampant, um, white supremacists and and different, different groups like that. So it's just, it's, it's amazing that after all that has happened in, in this country, the, if you go back and look at all of the history of this country, it's just amazing that uh, these organizations still are allowed to exist. And right. it's just uh, it is devastating. you know, it, it definitely had has uh, marked um, mm. me as and you know, like that's something that I'll, I'll never forget. And, and even with my kids sometimes I'll tell them about it. And, um, but and I, I actually had a, I think the, I want to say maybe the last true experience that I can actually remember without it being maybe some type of undertone where it was just in my face was when I was a special agent. We had to work a uh, an event. It's called the Mule Days. It's in Benson, North Carolina. And um, a part of my assignment was anytime they had like big events or group events, they would um, ask us to kind of go and do security for some of those events and things like that. And so um, I remember my supervisor saying, hey, we're going to go work um, the Mule Days and I had already, it already had its history or its is, is, uh, well its reputation um, that it started in 1949 I think and it had a reputation that uh, the KKK or white supremacists are known to be at this um, type of festival and so I was asking him he did he sure he want me to be a part of that you know he's like yeah you you know you have to get your your work uh, festival in or something like that um, so I went and. You know everything was going good for a little while and then uh shortly after that this this big pickup truck with the big wheels uh came rolling by and it was a, about three or four uh white guys in the back of it and next thing you know they're you know they're yelling racial slurs at me and the n-word and they're just riding by and and uh and so the truck then goes down the street you know and i'm i'm you know i'm eyeballing them the whole time i got my gun on i got my badge on and they're just Hurling these racial slurs at me, and and I'm just, you know, I'm looking at them eye to eye the whole time, and so they go down the street, and they turn around and come back, and when they come back, they do it again, and my supervisor just looks at me, and and I look at him, and, you know, he didn't didn't say anything, and that kind of, I guess, shocked me or or made me feel, you know, worse, I guess, expecting, like, at least he might offer some type of condolence or or some type of uh, something to say hey this this happened you know this is not all of us or you know this doesn't you know but um you know that was that was what it was and um, I never worked another one of those events because I was furious I mean it was it it did everything in my I I did everything in my power not to you know uh, go at that situation it was and it was difficult
1: yeah and especially you were armed and everything yeah and so the, the, the amount of self-control that yeah. would have to be there and I wonder
2: like between that
1: and, and just as a little kid have you wrestled with or just had it present within you anger I mean just it seems like that early especially is that something that kind of stirs around in you even now as you think about these things or just kind of a None in a bad sense necessarily. We yeah,
2: just- yeah. I would I would say yeah. Um, there's always anger anytime uh, I hear um, someone that's making racial slurs or being derogatory towards someone. Yeah, there's there's always anger, and you're know, you're always questioning like you know why. And then there's this part of you is like this is expected. So like now there's something there's um, um, at least for for me as a black male. Things happen, and you 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 kind of expect that the results are going to be that way um, hmm. because they've always been that way. And so, if something different happens, you're like, "Oh, that's that's different. That I wasn't expecting that." And so, uh, some of that is like if you, like if you you know you've heard over in the uh, media over the years where there's an unarmed, unarmed black man being uh, shot by police officers or something like that. And so the, the natural thought for every black person and just even people that I encounter or talk with is that, Oh, they'll get off that. Nothing happen to them. Mm. You know, that's just the expectation, nothing, nothing to happen. And then nothing happens. And so then you're like, okay, this is, this is this. And so okay. you kind of get numb to it. And I right. think um, because you get numb to it, I think also there's this, uh, this uh, desensitization of uh people just that just uh wrestle with that and say okay this is this has happened but it it really hasn't happened or they try to uh, right. block it like it doesn't exist yeah yeah so is there is a lot of anger there but um controlled anger you know cuz i know that i'm not going to the only the only people um I mean, not the only people, but I will. I would defend uh, my family, not because of somebody called them the N word. Uh, that's not going to make me just go right. out of my mind and go harm that person. Right. Um, but if they physically tried to do something to me, then yeah, I probably would defend myself. Sure. But, um, and but I would definitely be angry if someone right. said those to me and yeah. said something to me. Yeah. And,
1: I, and I guess the reason I ask is because it seems like, especially being marked that early, it would mark you personally on a personality level. And, and I know you as, as arguably one of the gracious, most gracious people I know. So it is like having that kind of history where you have every reason to mm-hmm. kind of go around with a chip on your shoulder, quite honestly, and and you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but when something like uh, the Ahmaud Arbery thing happens, you know, I um, asked, you know, what what does go off inside of you in that? Is it just, oh, okay, here we go again? Um, what does that look like for you and for
2: others? Yeah, it, it does. It, it's like, oh man, another, you know, another black man killed. And it's, it's, it's frustrating. Um, again, there's anger. It's like, you know, why? And your question is like, why, when is this going to stop? Like, why does, why does this keep happening? Right. And, and I think, um, you know, as, especially as I watched that video and I saw, everything that led up to it and you're like you know he's he's literally fighting for his life literally he's fighting for his life and um and to no avail though but you know the the thing that even makes that uh, more troubling even after watching it is that how long that this mm-hmm. you know we was saying I thought this might have happened like yesterday or when I'm watching oh, yeah, this last week yeah. and then when you find out that this Happened two months ago, and and nothing had happened up until yeah. uh, to the video, I guess, came forward or to people start voicing. But um, that was even that that makes it more frustrating that that there's this privilege um, that that what what black people call white privilege. I'm sure you've heard of it. Yeah. Um, that we feel that had that been, have those roles been reversed in any kind of way, then that black person would have been, those black people would have been arrested immediately and and charged for murder immediately. And so um, there's this sense of that because there's this white privilege that white people can do things to black people and there's no consequence or there's no repercussion for those things. And so that's what goes on in a lot of black people's mind. I think, I think I can speak for a lot of them because I have conversations with a lot, not all, I'm not going to say I'm <laughs> sure, speaking yeah. for all, but, uh, a lot of, a lot of black people have those thoughts in, in their mind, like, you know, if the roles would have been reversed, yeah, something would have happened immediately. Um, you know, and so it's just, it's just, it's just bad or it's just, um, it's painful to, to think that in this, you know, in this, this great country of the United States of America that we still are dealing with the same kind of racial issues that we've been dealing with for such a long time.
1: Yeah. Well you um, and and you, you kinda answered this, but I want to take it a little bit deeper. Like during times like this when you find those you're having those conversations, you find that kind of stuff going on in your mind. What kinds of the things do you find yourself wanting to say to white society? I mean and one of the reasons I wanted to have you here was because, you know, um, I'm obviously white and, and, uh, <laughs> and Sarah is too. And, and, and our audience is. I mean and we all know that the, when it comes to churches, uh, there's predominantly black churches, predominantly white churches. Right. and, and uh, But what do you find yourself wanting to say
2: uh, to people that you wish white people knew? Mainly is, I think that we just want to know that it's acknowledged. Mm -hmm. Um, that there's some type of acknowledgement of it so because the you know you can there's this 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 feeling that things happen in this world and and black people are outraged about it but then there are white people um it was funny because I was reading a Facebook post and this is that had been going on like two or three days and I was reading one of um one of my good friends uh, who's white he was reading one of the posts because he was in support of you know, the run that um, Ahmad Aubrey had and so I was reading some of his posts and there was quite a few of his white friends on there. I was like, Hey, what's what's you know, what's going on? And so it was almost like something that we as black people have considered that this is something major that's happened in, in the United States today or right now and then there's other people that don't have a clue like what's going on. Like that that it even exists or that it's right. even an issue. And so I think main thing is um, some type of acknowledgement, first off, um, like to say, hey, especially as you, uh, uh, Brett, as a pastor. So um, and I don't know how, you know, you use your pulpit, but I know that um, there's some there's acknowledgement of things that happen in, in the world. Right. And people, some pastors utilize those things as the, their reasoning for sermons or different things. And so um, but. Yeah, and I'm sure you have um, black members in your congregation, but I, I was sure some of those black members would like to know you um, as their pastor have acknowledged that, hey, this exists and this is, this is real, that this type of stuff is happening and we are aware of it. And, um, and my thing is, what, what would I want you to do about it or what, what, I, what would I want Sarah to do about it? Imagine that if it's your child. Or if it's your brother, your your nephew, your uncle, your husband, or whatever, mm-hmm. imagine that person is that person, and what would you do if that was that person to you? What what you know? What would you do to to want some justice to be done? What would you do to make your voice heard to give that person some justice? And that's what I think what um, the the what blacks want from whites involved in or in support of this it's like, um, what would you do? You know, we, we've been, we've been marching a long time. We've been, you know, voicing our, voicing our say for a long time. And it's almost like it's just bouncing off the wall. It's not being heard. But, um, you know, when I think, uh, when white America or, um, white people in general start, um, speaking up about some of the injustices that are going on, I think, it will help um, bring some type of resolution to a lot of the issues we got going on. I just read, it, read the article the other day about Tom Brady. Um, he's gotten in support and he's asking William Barr, the attorney general, to um, go after the two um, previous attorneys that recused themselves, that kept all this information for so long without, you know, making an arrest. Well, why they had this information for two and a half months and no arrest had been made. You right. know? So, oh, wow. Yeah. I, you I've know. been tracking it. I didn't know Tom Brady threw his hat in the yeah, ring. Yeah. Yeah. Tom Brady. And yeah. so that was, that was different yeah. because right. that Tom Brady's hat in, in the past hasn't So mm. when I saw that, I was like, oh, okay, this is, this yeah. is a good thing. Right. And so um, I, I think, and, and that's what I think it's going to take. It's going to take more support from otherwise uh, white um, a part of the white America, or the pastors, the leaders, and even with the the March on Washington, Dr. King's March on Washington, right. um, you know they said it was about two hundred fifty thousand there, one hundred ninety thousand were were black, but those sixty thousand were white pastors and white leaders that right. were were there to support. And so, um, it, it's and that March on Washington was effective, and um, it, it it was effective not just because the I think. Because the blacks march, but it was effective because now we have a presence of uh, a big voice of white America saying, "Hey, mm-hmm. this needs to change." And so, some of those some less so then the changes start taking effect because of that. So, yeah,
0: and I, I think you know something we've alluded to, but I don't know if we just straight up said, but I mean this is an injustice, like that this this um, has happened. We talked about it happening, but even saying that you know to people like this is an injustice and it shouldn't happen. So like, um. Being able to to speak like whether it's you know you Brett like or just me talking to people that I know like it has to start somewhere right, right. conversation even a conversation like this is um, hopefully good you know I mean that's what we want more of but like even saying out loud like this is should not happen like we can just talk about right. it happening but actually saying this should not happen right. Right. Um, I think is important to be able to acknowledge um, in, in any kind of leadership but in any kind of just conversation as people that we're around. Right. That was part one of our two-part conversation with Keith Patterson. Uh, We talked for about an hour or so, and we try to keep our podcast here at about thirty minutes. So we thought a couple reasons to split this into two parts: one, just time length, and also the conversation was just really rich and good that we really want to let this breathe and have some more space. Because as people who um, follow the gospel of Jesus, these are conversations that we need to be having. These are conversations that we need to continue to have um, and be able to talk openly about. So. uh, thank you again to Keith for coming and sharing with us. We would love to hear your feedback. You can leave us a comment wherever you're listening right now. Uh, you can email us at podcast at onelifechurch.org. Um, and also just share it out. We Again, we just really think that this is a great conversation for us to be continuing to have in our communities because it's happening. And uh, it can't. Um, it's an injustice. And these things can't be continuing to happen. it. So uh, thank you again to Keith. Thank you for listening and join us for part two next week.